Well, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. I hope you're doing well. Um, I, today, I can't believe what Justin said. By the way, if I don't know you, my name's Todd. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm joined up here on stage by our uh, Discipleship Connections, uh, the person that oversees all of our groups, Chris McBride. Why don't you give it up for Chris McBride this morning? Glad to have you, Chris. Hey, and before we dive in, I just want to thank Brandon and Kim uh, and Cammie uh, Smith. They're behind me here, but thank you guys so much for leading worship this morning. Why don't you give it up for the Smiths with No Hungry Children. Good friends, and we're just privileged to have them every once in a while come in and lead us in worship. I'm very thankful for them. I can't believe what Justin said is true. It is almost fall. I know it doesn't feel like it out, all right? It feels, still feels like Jurassic Park outside right now, but um, it, is, uh, it is fall time of year. We're getting ready, kind of gearing up for the year. Uh, many of you uh, have students or you are a student back in school uh, or a college student getting ready to go to school. Um, it is a very interesting time of year getting ready to kind of dive all in for uh, this fall. And uh, it's about this time of year that we kick off our ministries. We kick off really everything that happens in the life of our church happens uh, really centers around the, uh, the school year. And uh, so we're getting ready to kick everything off. And so today we want to talk a little bit about this idea of groups. You know, we, we at Hilton Head Island Community Church talk about, we talk about worship and we talk about serving, growing, and playing. And all of those things can happen. Some of that can happen here on Sunday morning. But most of our strategy is played out um, in group life. And Chris and I are going to be talking today just about this idea that we were never meant to live life alone. And I want you to think for a moment about our world. And I'm going to ask a question this morning. You can be honest or not. That's between you and God in church. That's fine. But how many of you are connected in some sort of social media capacity, in some sort of app, whether you know it's Facebook, Snapchat is the new one. I don't quite understand that yet. But anyway, Twitter, it's not really new. But anyway, I know that. Instagram, you know, how many of you are connected on some sort of social media and are willing to admit it? All right, yep. Some of you are like, yep, hand up real quick and put it down. Um, we are connected. We are probably more virtually connected than at any other time in human history. But we suffer as humans. We suffer from loneliness, maybe more now than any other time in human history. And last year in 2008, there goes my notes. It's all right. In I don't need that. Um, in 2018, um, Cigna put out the U.S. Loneliness Index, and it's such an interesting, it's a fascinating study. And I want to read just a couple excerpts today. They found that 46, nearly half, percent of Americans report feeling lonely sometimes or always. Let that sink in. 46%, nearly half of Americans, as connected as we are, we report feeling lonely or, um, sometimes or always. By the way, they surveyed 20,000 people, which is a larger uh, survey. 47% reported feeling left out sometimes or always. A little less, 43% reported feeling isolated from others. And the same number reported feeling that they lack companionship and their relationships lack meaning. Now, in this study, they, they did some studies with doctors, and they found out, and, and, and uh, research and scientists, they found out that, get this, that they could draw, drew this conclusion, loneliness has the same impact 
on mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Isn't that incredible? See, we don't think about this when we choose to kind of live life alone. We don't think about this when we choose to say no to community. But since the beginning of time, God has been telling his people to be in community through who he is as as the Godhead and through his people and how he instructed them from early on. God has been telling his people to be in community, and he tells us that today. This poll goes on to to say that uh, uh, 27% of Americans rarely or never feel like there are people who understand them. 27% feel like they belong to a group of friends, and 24% um, report that they um, they can find companionship when they want it. And as they kind of took this study and dove into the different generations, they discovered that Gen Zers are actually the most disconnected generation. Gen Zers are the most disconnected generation. Uh, Millennials come in second, and the greatest generation, you guys get it. You are the ones who are connected. And so today we want to talk about this idea of connecting, and specifically connecting in biblical community, because the Bible has a lot to say about this. And so I've asked Chris to join me today because um, I view her as the expert on all things group life and connections and that sort of thing, whether she does or not. She's got a lot of great experience, and we're very thankful to have um, uh, Chris and Dave as as a part of our church and members of our church and Chris um, on our staff as our discipleship director and um, person who really oversees all this. And so, uh, but I want her, I want you to hear from her heart today. Before we dive into the, to, to the Bible part of this today, and I, I want you to hear that as well. It's so important that we learn biblically what the, what the Word says about this. But I want you to hear her story. And so, Chris, tell us a little bit about your story when it comes to groups, uh, you and Dave, and how you've benefited from groups and how you've been able to benefit to a group throughout the years. Wow, well, this might take a little bit of time. (laughs) We have been in groups for 30 years, which is hard to believe. And I will say that um, our faith in God and most of the really close friendships we have um, were developed in groups. So um, our very first group was a young married group. And you kind of could say it was like the blind, leading the blind. (laughs) We didn't have a lot of life experience, but we got together and we really started to connect. We began staying after group and we'd play games and we'd get together and help each other with home projects and watch football games together. And um, sometimes we stepped on each other's toes and had to like, yeah, kind (laughs) of does in community. We'd work through those um, differences and misunderstandings. But over time, what we found is a really deep sense of community um, happened to us so much so that our oldest, who was about five at the time, um, started calling everybody in the group aunt and uncle. <laughs> I love that. So love that. Um, we were so um, thankful for that connection, but we had no idea of the benefits and how much we would need that. Um, over the course of that group in one year, um, my mom lost her battle with cancer and our group rallied around us and loved us and brought us meals and watched kids. And then two months later, 
our nine-month-old son, Andrew, was diagnosed with a really aggressive leukemia known as AML. And we spent the majority of that spring in the hospital and most of the next year. And our church, but especially the people in our group, they helped us physically and spiritually. They watched Amanda. They made us food for, I think, like three months straight. They took care of our yard. They ran to the pharmacy. But they also prayed with us, and they cried with us. And they reminded us of how much God loved us and his promises. And they even were with us when we kind of struggled with um, our doubts and our fears and what we believed to be true about God. Um, but the group just wasn't about us. We walked with others as they um, struggled with infertility and job loss and death of loved ones. And we also celebrated. Um, a lot of babies were born. And we celebrated, you know, new jobs and new houses and answered prayers. And um, through that, I think it really laid the foundation of what community meant for us. Um, we were in so many different groups, but I will say some of our richest group experiences were the groups where there was the most diversity in people. When um, you're in group with others that are a lot different than you, you learn to see things from different perspectives. And it really challenges you um, in the process to um, love people more, I think, and really appreciate those differences. Um, I've been part of singles groups, not singles groups, I guess I was at one time, but in married life, married groups and um, women's groups and mixed groups. And in every single one of them, they helped me to grow in my relationship with God and really how to do community. Um, it was in those groups where people were a little bit farther ahead than us that we saw life circumstances happen and how they trusted God even when things didn't go the way they wanted. And I really learned how to pray by listening to people when they pray um, that seemed like they were talking to their best friends. I think you could say I kind of caught prayer more than anything else. And then Dave and I saw people that had such a strong intimacy with God. And because we were doing life with them, we were able to see what were the things that they did to help um, them grow so close. And I think through all that, you know, two things come to mind when I think of all the groups we've been part of. Um, and I mentioned this at the beginning, really how our faith has grown and how um, our friendships are just deep friendships. And that really um, surfaced for us this last fall. And our son was once again diagnosed with cancer, but this time um, it wasn't leukemia, it was a rare kidney cancer. And that first week, people from groups that we had been part of, gosh, 20 some years ago, drove from Delaware and spent the week with us in the hospital and just encouraged and loved us. And all of our friends from past groups and current groups, a lot of you here loved us so well. You sent cards and texts and brought food and prayed for us. And a couple people sang over Andrew. We were just so tremendously blessed. And um, 
I think that at Andrew's celebration of life service, as we um, walked away from that, what struck out the most to my husband and I is when we thought about it, from every group that we've been part of, I think almost every group, over the last three decades, there was someone that came to that service from each of those groups, which is just amazing. And we never really knew the benefits Mm -hmm. that we would get when we kind of agreed to step into that group that first time. Isn't that amazing? And I, I, as your pastor, Chris, I, I got to, to witness, um, you know, d- during, you know, the, the most, one of the most heart-wrenching, the most heart-wrenching um, kind of season of, of you and Dave's lives, I got to witness um, all of these groups from all over these decades um, who, who served you, including right now. And to see that happen, to see the body of Christ from churches, capital C, around the country come together um, and to serve you guys was really, really a huge, massive encouragement. And it was an example of the way that it ought to be, right? It was an example of the way that the body of Christ um, serves so well um, and benefits, has mutual beneficial um, capacities with each other and abilities with each other. But, but I know for you this wasn't, it's not just experiential. I know that your passion does come from the experience, positives and, and, and all, all negatives, good, bad, ugly of groups, um, but it's also really birthed from your belief in, in God and in his word. And I know that you, um, you discovered not too, you know, a couple, quite a few years ago, this idea that community is not just a human thing. Um, it is a biblical thing. And it is, it is something that is also for those of us who call ourselves believers. And um, tell us a little bit about what the Bible has to say and what you learned about uh, community from God's word. Really, it all started in uh, my early 20s when I signed up for an in-depth class on the book of Acts. And if you don't know much about Acts, it's really a continuation of the Gospel of Luke. And it documents the events that happened after Jesus rose from the dead and really the history of the birth of Christianity. And um, for the paper... What I did is I looked at Acts 2, 42 through 47, which really gives us a broad picture of what the first century church looked like. So check this out. This is from Acts 2, 42 through 47. Go ahead, Chris. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every group. I totally lost my place. Every soul. Every soul. I'm sorry. (laughs) And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple courts, breaking bread together in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And really what I loved about that is um, God kind of hit me over the head. 
In this class, I had an assignment to compare the first century church with the modern day church. And uh, my life was busy. I didn't have a whole lot of time to write that paper. And I just said a quick prayer and was like, Lord, please just help this come together quickly. And he answered that prayer. And as I began to write, the words just flowed and it kind of wrecked me. Mm. And God really used that um, paper to connect the dots for me about what it really meant to be a Christian. And um, that Christians are meant to do life together and that, um, and learn about God together. And I would add that that is really powered by the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And that church isn't an event, Hmm. but that it's a lifestyle. And I think John Ortberg did a great job kind of summarizing both how community was birthed way back in the first century, but also today. And it reads, as we grow in our responsiveness to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, we give birth to community. And as we experience authentic community, worship erupts. As we grow into deep worshipers of Jesus Christ, our mission becomes crystal clear. And I think that's what we see. And really the idea of that community in the Bible, um, wherever you see fellowship, it's the Greek word koinonia. And I'm not a Greek scholar at all, but I love taking time to look up those words because those words in the Greek are so much more specific. Our English words seem to be a little bit more general. And koinonia basically means Um, having communion with one another, sharing life together, deep fellowship. And we see that for the first time in Acts 2.42, where it mentions that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And um, I think it's mentioned 20 more times in Scripture. And you'll never see the word church in Scripture But almost always where you see the word fellowship, it's from that word koinonia. And that's really how they did church. And it's really loving one another and caring and being encouraged for one another. And Paul had a lot to say about community. And in Philippians 2, 1 through 2, he writes, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, then make my joy complete by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And I just think, you know, that's such a contrast to how the world lives. Mm, And we really get that unity from the Holy Spirit, our fellowship with Jesus, and then our fellowship with one another. And at times, um, I think we kind of struggle. What does that fellowship look like? And if you want to get a broader sense of what koinonia means, there are 58 commands in Scripture to do something to one another. And 28 of them are distinct commands. And um, I think we would go just a little over if I read all, all those various yes. ones <laughs> um, and you the would scriptures. Be <laughs> but um, I'm just going to name some of the one another's. Be at peace with each other. 
love one another, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. These are these are from Old and New Testament, by the way. Most most of these are in the are New, New yeah, Testament. Yeah, most yep. of them. Yep. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Welcome one another. Instruct one another. Serve one another. Carry one another's burdens. Forgiving each other. Bear with each other. Teach and admonish one another. Pray for one another. And those are not all of them. Are you guys exhausted? <laughs> And if I'm honest with you, even on my best day, I can't do all those one another's in my own strength, right? We get busy, we get tired. It's not always convenient to serve one another or to love one another, but that's what makes Christian community different. We have the Holy Spirit to kind of nudge us. And when somebody comes to mind and you call them, have you ever found that they're like, oh my gosh, I so needed those words of encouragement. And this past year, we saw that numerous times. Um, but community is not easy. And even Paul, who was like a super Christian and really spread the good news throughout the New Testament, he did that well in a lot of areas. In First Thessalonians, he said to the people, you know, we loved you so much that we were willing to not only share the good news of the gospel, but our lives as well because we loved you so much. And yet even he struggled with that. Um, Barnabas and him went on a missionary journey, and Barnabas took Mark, and um, they started getting persecuted. And Mark said, you know what? I am out of here. <laughs> And Barnabas and Paul eventually made their way back to Jerusalem, and they set themselves up to go on another missionary journey. And Barnabas like, let me go get Mark. And Paul's like, no way. He <laughs> abandoned us. He's not coming with us. And Barnabas said, he's young. Give him a chance. And Scripture tells us they had such sharp words that Barnabas took Mark, and they went in one direction, and Paul took Silas, and they went in another and that happens in community, but this is what's cool. If you look at 2 Timothy, when Paul writes his letter to Timothy, he says to him towards the end, and by the way, when you come, bring Mark with you because he's been so useful to me in ministry. You see, there was forgiveness there and reconciliation. And I think it's, you know, community is so worth it, but it isn't easy. And I know probably more than one of you are sitting there saying, you know what, I tried groups and I really didn't connect with anyone. Or worse yet, I opened up my heart and I shared my life with someone. And you know what, I got hurt bad. And what I want to say to you um, is I understand that in our early 30s, my husband and I had two couples that, I mean, we really did life together a lot and they betrayed us. And I think the natural inclination is to go into isolation. And when we do that, we give the evil one the ability to worship lies to us and not to have anybody in our life to remind us of the truth of scripture. And fortunately, we got in another group and we opened our hearts up to other people. And we kind of practiced those one another's. And because we did that, 
we have the faith we have today. And so many of our closest friends were birthed out of groups um, that happened after that. And that ended up being so important to us this past fall. Our 25-year-old son was once again diagnosed with cancer, but this time it was a rare kidney cancer. And um, that first week, friends from Delaware came and spent that week with us and just encouraged us and reminded us of scripture and loved on us. And people from past groups, and many of you here too, brought us food, sent us cards, texts, prayed for us. I think like 30 days of prayer. Everybody signed up for a day here. And we were just loved so well. And I would like to say we're so thankful we get to do life with this community and all of you. Um, But it was really in the context of things not turning out the way that we wanted, that we realized that we were in groups and our faith grew and our relationships grew. And that really gave us the courage to get through it. And after the celebration of life services, we realized that, you know, there was somebody there from each group that we'd been in. And, you know, they mourned with us. And they celebrate with us. And this October, many of them are going to be in the same um, with us when our daughter gets married. And it's just neat. And I think that's why God tells us so many times in Scripture that we're supposed to be in community. One of those Scriptures is Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. And it says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift his fellow up. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and does not have another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm without the other? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. And a three-fold cord is not quickly broken." And I just want to say that I think when we have community with God and when we have community with others, it helps form a core that is like an anchor to us when the storms of life come. And the benefits of being in community far outweigh the struggles. You know, one of the things that just, um, Chris, uh, astounds me is that this is something that God began the idea of community he began before creation even happened um, in who god is three and one even in the nature of god uh, we see community he established it with his people Uh, the nation of israel uh, was instructed to be in community all the time the first church as we just read about um, and here we are think about this for a moment so many thousands of years later so many thousands of years later, and we have the opportunity to carry that on, to continue that process of living together in community. There's so many things um, that you said that I, I, I just come to mind. Um, one of them is, is that sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. 
but the, but the, the benefits so far outweigh um, maybe some of those negative things that come out of being in group and being connected in community. And I want you to hear from, from someone today. Um, and so I'm going to ask Craig Loomis to come on up on stage here. I'm going to take your mic, uh, Chris. I want you to hear not from um, a leader of groups uh, because, you know, we could tell you what we want you to hear because we're leaders of groups. So I want you to hear from someone who has been in a group. And so why don't you give it up for Craig Loomis this morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. There you go. Now, let me just say this. I, I understand that Deb, your wife, was supposed to be up here, but she conveniently got laryngitis this yeah, morning. She's back right? there yeah. watching. <laughs> she's back there watching. So, Deb, I'm so sorry. I hope you get feeling better. And, uh, man, thank you so much for sharing today. Um, how long, you guys, how long have you all been at church here? We moved to Hilton Head uh, two years ago, May of 2017. Two years ago. From, tell me where? Central Illinois, not yeah. Ohio. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I'll, I'll find some uh, uh, Illinois jokes okay. uh, in there somewhere. It's uh, easy to do. <laughs> it is easy. To, yeah, yeah I, I was there this summer. You're right. Oh man! Uh, and you guys, um, you guys jumped into uh, a group uh, when you got here. How yeah, long we, you been we were excited about joining a small group because we came from a church where small groups were a focus and That's a great. big part of the church. So one of the things that just jumps out at me as we've talked this morning is we've heard Chris explain what God's Word says about it, her own personal experience. Um, my my experience is one thing that just jumps out is this idea of mutual being mutually beneficial that everybody is part of a group and I, I know what some of you who are more introverted are thinking you're like yeah I might be able to benefit from a group but I don't know if I have anything to offer um, but there is mutual um, you know there's a mutual beneficial aspect that happens when you dive into group life tell me um, Craig how you and Deb have benefited and how you guys have benefited the group well first I should tell you that I was very reluctant ah to get involved in small groups. Yeah. I didn't think I needed that kind no. of stuff. Why is that? I'm a type A personality. I, I control really? every item. <laughs> I didn't need any of that. So uh, mm. I was very reluctant to join small group. Um, but with a little nudging from my wife and from God, <laughs> I decided to take the plunge. And I'm, I'm certainly glad I did. The benefits? Uh, numerous. Chris has hit most of them. Mm. From my experience, the Christian fellowship it's just an amazing thing to see develop. As groups evolve, you uh, develop lifelong and eternal friendships. Yeah. Uh, many times with people that you probably wouldn't <laughs> go out with on weekends. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and it's helped Deb and I, and especially me, in, our, in my spiritual growth mm. and my faith walk. Mm. It's been a big, big component of that. Um, in terms of support, um, several years ago back in Illinois, I was hit hard with a serious illness issue. Mm -hmm. Came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. um, and fortunately, we were in a small group, and that group came together, prayed over me and us, supported us physically, encouraged us, and it just gave Deb and I a sense of amazing power. It, uh, it was God's love through others to us. Same thing happened here. I one of my finer moments. I fell off a ladder That's right. from a long way up, <laughs> and uh, was laid up for six weeks. And again, our small group here mm. came together, prayed over us, mm. physically supported us, mm. encouraged us. That's fantastic. And we've had the opportunity to do the same to others. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, when you get into a small group, it goes quickly beyond the superficial, mm. and you get into the real nitty gritty of life. Man. And um, 
I'm just so thankful that God convicted me to join that small group a number of years ago. And uh, today, Deb and I lead a small group, and we're excited to do it. It's fantastic. You know, I think it's amazing to think uh, about the fact that you were reluctant, and now you are, um, you, you know, you've benefited so much. You've learned so much. You've been cared for. You have provided care. Now you are leading a group. I got that wrong. He was in the leader training last week. I should have known that. Sorry about that, uh, uh, Deb and Craig. But, uh, you know, it's amazing to think how, how much God changed that for you. Um, and, uh, man, I'm just so thankful. Thank you for A couple for other telling. things that people yeah. should also know yeah. is that if you're interested in improving your Bible study, yeah. small group's a great way to do it. It gives you the focus and the discipline that you probably lack on your own. Mm. Um, and also in prayer. That's fantastic. Uh, prayer life is improved significantly by interactions with group. Chris mm -hmm. mentioned that you learn from others, uh, you see how prayer works, mm -hmm. and it gives you the confidence that uh, through prayer, anything is possible. That's incredible, man. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I'm really glad you mentioned that, too, because one of the fears that some people have is, is I don't know a lot about the Bible, so I really can't be a part of a group. And I, I think that that is the furthest thing from the truth, because through the group, you, you will learn God's word. And uh, you, you will be engaged in, in talking to God with other Christians and doing life together. Absolutely. So great stuff, man. Why don't you give it up for Craig Loomis today? Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Chris, just to, to kind of bring things to a, a close today and, and maybe a point of action, and um, what do you want us to hear? What do you want us to hear from all of this, being um, the one who's you know, really responsible for uh, getting people involved? What do you want us to hear today as we close? I think that it is really that you are created for community to be encouraged and be encouraged, to love and be loved, to celebrate and be celebrated. And I think that that happens in the context of community. So I would just say um, that I hope that you're willing to step out there and into community. And I think you're really gonna find that when you invest in knowing God more and knowing others more, you will never be alone. It's fantastic. I love that. And um, Cynthia and I have experienced through the years uh, the, the great benefit and being able to benefit uh, a group by being in groups. Our, I'll tell you this one story. Our very first group when we first got married was, uh, this was actually not in Florida, it was in Atlanta. And it was called the Renting Not Expecting Group. All right. So uh, because we were, you know, everybody was renting, none of us owned homes, and uh, none of us were expecting that changed very quickly. But anyway, um, uh, really an amazing, amazing um, thing that God has called us to follow his lead in Christian community. And we need to be people who are committed to never walking alone and never being alone. I had the privilege of going to England many years ago. Uh, and uh, I, I had been on several different missions trips to England, and I always wanted to go uh, watch a soccer game, which they, in England, they don't call it soccer. What do they call it? They call it football, okay, right? Yep, so football. And so um, they surprised us one, um, one Saturday afternoon. Um, they had this big gap in the schedule, and they surprised us. And we got in the car, and they drove us 
uh, about an hour away to a, a, a city. I was going to call it a town, but it's a place called Liverpool. And they took us to a Liverpool match. All I wanted to do was just go to a practice or some low-level game, and they took us to, like, the, the top level of uh, English football. And so we got to watch this game. And it so struck me that day. I fell in love with Liverpool. I'm a huge Liverpool fan. My son has adopted them as his team too. And so we're big Liverpool fans. But it really struck me. And part of the reason I loved it so much was because at the beginning of every match, whether they're home there in Liverpool at Anfield or whether they're away, they stand and they sing a song called You'll Never Walk Alone. And part of the reason they sing this song that came out of the 1960s, I think it was uh, Jerry and the Pacemakers, all right? I don't even know who that is. Most of you probably don't know who that is, but it was in the era of Elvis and and the Beach Boys and that sort of thing. And it is kind of like, it sounds so silly, but they stand, mostly men who are macho men, stand and they sing this song at the top of their lungs. And I found out later that part of the reason that they sing the song every single game, every single match, at the beginning and at the end, is because that city and that club has experienced some trauma. And they've experienced some difficult times. And they know the value of community. And church, if a group of people like that from the world sees the value in it, so we should see the value in it so much more. And so I want to encourage you to get in a group. Today, we've got our newsletter here. It's uh, what's happening. You guys can pick this up back at guest services. And we've got several different, some men's prayer breakfast, ladies' lunch, Wednesday night roots. All of these are connection groups that begin after Labor Day. And I want to encourage you to take this and get involved. We're going to be launching all of our groups uh, starting after Labor Day. And so be on the lookout. Today was really to kind of get your interest peaked. And I can tell you this. If we don't have a group that meets your needs, if you can't find a place to get connected, I know that Chris wants to find and help you to do that. So make sure that you let her know if you can't get connected because we don't want you ever to do this life alone. We were never meant to be, and so we shouldn't. So let's do it together, church. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you so much for this idea of Christian community. I thank you that we were truly never meant to live this life by ourselves. And God, regardless of what background we come from, what um, personality we have, what kind of home we grew up in, you have called us as your followers to be involved in doing life together. Help each one of us to, God, to find our place to serve and be served, to love and be loved, and to join together and share life together. God, may we resist the temptation, myself included, to go at it alone, to be a lone ranger out there trying to accomplish things and live this life by ourselves. May we reject that kind of thinking, and may we lean into what you're doing in your church with your bride. God, may you bless our efforts, bless Chris's efforts, be with all of our leaders, and may you be pleased by the fact that we as a church have a strong community. And I pray for this fall, and I pray for this next school year, God, that you would just bless our community and you would bless our groups. And I pray all this in the strong and the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen.